What do you do when you're facing challenges to remember that God is all there is? How do you apply spiritual principle in the real world? What are your daily spiritual practices? These are the kinds of questions we'll talk about in this show. Your hosts, Leslie and Tracy, will share their experiences, but also want to learn from your insights, your questions, and your suggestions. So, don't just listen in. Call us with your comments. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Say Yes to Spirit. So glad that you've joined us today. If this is your first time with us, then I just want to give you a little bit of a heads up about what to expect. <laughs> and the easiest way to do that is to tell you to expect anything. Nothing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Everything, anything, and nothing all at the same time. And maybe what's best to do is to just hang with our theme today, which is living in the present moment. And that's what happens on Say Yes to Spirit. Every week we start off with a theme to get us talking and thinking. um, And most of the time we have no idea where that theme is going, where the direction of the conversation will end up, what the destination is. We just know the starting point. Um, And so in that sense, we actually do live in the present moment. So that's our theme today, but before we dive into our theme, we always connect the dots with our previous topic, and our previous topic was pain. And I like to connect the dots because it's a ritual, and and there's another ritual that we normally do. You say, I'm Tracy, my family. In there. It just did it. <laughs> Great need of ritual. Um, so connect the dots between present moment and pain. Wow. If I'm living in the present moment, is there even such a thing as pain? I I think in my uh belief system that pain or the orientation, the beginning, the not the orientation, the the origin of pain is some false belief that I'm projecting to the future or living in the past. So if I'm living in the present moment, if I'm being in the present moment, which is being, if I'm just being, then there would be no pain. So there is no connection between pain and present moment. That's my connected odds. There you go. I like it. As I'm saying it, I'm thinking, wow, that's interestingly... So you're referring to emotional pain. Ah, yes, we're going back to that idea of physical pain being a reality. Yes, yes, I would be, yes, speaking of emotional pain, yes. Stories that I make up of emotional pain or fear of the future or regret of the past. And and it's very creative that I do it. So if I'm staying in the present moment, then there's no pain. And I wonder if I am in the actual present moment of physical pain, if that would take any of that away. Well, if you're wondering the same thing, you can go back and listen to the recording <laughs> because we had quite a discussion about the um, whether or not whether or not physical pain exists, yes. and so we're not going to go back into that because that's not our theme this time. Our theme this time is living in the present moment. So we're going to take a little break, and um, then we will be back talking about the present moment on Say Yes to Spirit.
Welcome back. You're listening to Say Yes to Spirit with Tracy and Leslie. So glad you joined us today. And our theme is living in the present moment or the present moment. What is it? How do you connect with it? <laughs> what is it? That's really good. <laughs> what is the Where, present moment? Where does it even moment? exist? Right. Because as soon as oh, you're in this that? moment, then you're in the next moment. And yeah. That's, we may go there. We'll see. But where we're going to start is with a poem by Marianne Radmacher, and and the name of the poem is um, Live With Intention. Live with intention, walk to the edge, listen hard, play with abandon, practice wellness, laugh, risk love, continue to learn, appreciate your friends. Choose with no regret. Fail with enthusiasm. Stand by your family. Celebrate the holidays that make sense. Lead or follow a leader. Do what you love. Live as if this is all there is. Ooh, live as if this is all there is. Yeah, and and, um, many of you may have read this poem has been distributed in lots of ways and periodically it goes through social media like wildfire. Um, but she included it in a book called Lean Forward Into Your Life, Begin Each Day As If It Were On Purpose. And one of the reasons that poem came to mind this morning was because you can't do any of those things if you're not living in the present moment. Mm. I don't think. I don't think you can live your life fully and with excitement and with clarity if you're not staying present. Mm. I don't know. I I could be wrong, but that I think I'm sure that's why it came to me because so often we're living our lives based on we're not in the present moment. We're reacting to a story or to a situation that happened 5 years ago or we're um acting in a way in anticipation of what's going to happen or not going to happen three hours from now. And um, living with with intention requires us to be, in my mind, in the present moment. You know, a story comes to mind that happened with me this week uh, at the jail, going into the Dallas County Jail. The pod that I work on is on the fourth floor, so I have to take the elevator. And... um, this woman, I was walking towards the elevator, and this woman was in the elevator, and the doors were closing, and, you know, she kind of had that moment of trying to, you know, keep them open, and I know better than to put my arms in the Dallas County Jail elevators because they would just take your arm. So, you know, I let the doors close, right? The doors closed, and I gave it a minute to, you know, let the elevator, whatever, right, because I didn't want to, you know, disrupt her ride, whatever. So then I waited probably 30 seconds, and I hit the up button again, and the doors opened, and there she stood. And I was like, and so I stepped in the elevator, and I said, you know, it really works better if you push a button. And because she, <laughs> she hadn't pushed a button to to tell the elevator to go somewhere. And she said, oh, I was just caught up in what I'm going to do on my visit. She was going to visit someone in jail. And I was so clear. I thought, how many times do I do that? I get caught up in something. And I'm just standing, and I'm not doing anything, so nothing's really happening because I'm not there. I'm clearly somewhere else. I'm not pushing an elevator button. I'm just standing in the elevator waiting somewhere else in my mind, and nothing in real time is actually happening. And I thought, man, that is a powerful metaphor, isn't it? Or life is happening <laughs> in real time, but it's, but you're not in it. Yeah, I'm not participating. You're, you're in the story past or the mm-hmm. story future. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think um, we all do that way more often than we realize. Yeah. And um, yeah, for me this week, I actually have been so busy mm. that it appears I'm in the present moment because I am on that this call or I am writing the notes, or I am, you know... I'm, so you are doing, you are I'm pushing the elevator button. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm, I've been doing this week so much. Um, 
And it looks like I'm in the present moment because I am active. But as I reflect on the week, really a lot of my doing, if I'm in, you know, if I'm on a call or a webinar or I'm in, in the meeting, I actually have been doing a really good job this week of being in the moment there, paying attention to what's being said, not, you know, thinking too far ahead. Letting go of the story of how this person behaved <laughs> three months ago. So I actually, that was pretty good. But in a lot of the desk work, uh-huh. um, I when I think back on it, I was, I you know, oh, I really am doing this because I promised that I would have it done by tomorrow. Mm. So I'm really thinking about what's my day tomorrow. Yes. So I need to do this now, but I'm connecting it with my deliverables or my commitments for tomorrow. I'm really living in tomorrow. Yeah. Especially when I was, like, writing notes or writing, um, you know, kind of an uh, an agenda and an outline, I really wasn't in this moment. Yeah. I was like, what do we need to be talking about and who's going to be there and who's going to be on that call and, oh, yeah, how do I need to position it so it'll make sense for them then, mm-hmm. so this idea of being in the present moment is um, it's it sounds it it sounds so simple, <laughs> which is what they say in AA. It's so simple, it's hard. Yeah. Oh, but to, yeah, to actually do it um, in the in the human continuum where we are responding to what we promised yesterday and what we committed for tomorrow and the you know so if we go away from just the physical doing and and drop into the emotional piece around it then it it can be challenging to not stay with the old story or not anticipate all the ways it could go wrong whatever I'm working <laughs> on all the all the ways it, it might go wrong next month so I need to worry about that now and I don't think that's the same as planning for it. I think planning for it is different. Yes. It's it's, in, it's proactive and positive. Yes. It's worrying about it and making mm-hmm. up, you know, the drama, mm-hmm. turning it into mm-hmm. the, the soap opera in your mind is not the same as planning for what needs to happen, I don't think. You know, in my mind, the metaphor of, you know, when you put a light into um, some sort of stone and it um, it radiates out like a spectrum in all the different colors. I don't know what that stone is, but there's some stone that if you put a, a prism, a prism a there you go. Thank you. See, that's simple. Uh, then I can absolutely, when I'm in my dysfunction, let me think when I'm not in my dysfunction, but anyway, when I'm in my dysfunction, I can have that clarity of you know one single light coming into my mind and I will prism out all the really dramatically horrible things that could possibly happen. And it's, you know, it's such a creative, <laughs> it's almost become sort of a creative, uh, ah, what can I say? I sort of take, you know, a certain amount of joy in creating all of that prism and seeing how creatively, dramatically bad I can file out that present moment into how it can you're shaking your head. But it's, you know, it's a bit of a um, challenge. And I well, kinda... no, I'm shaking my head because creatively and dramatically. Yeah, yeah. and negatively. Yeah. Dive into that. Interesting. Dive into that. Having, and then you just added negatively. And, ex- and, and, like and having enjoying them that. all <laughs> one right after the other. Because they're not, you can be creative. <laughs> And not be negative or dramatic? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's a concept. But it does take creativity to create some of the drama we create in our own experience. Man, I know. And when I step back away from it, I'm sort of in awe at my ability to do so. And I'm also thinking about um, when I do classes in the the jail with the women, uh, we have volunteers that come in with us. And over the course of the years, that I've been doing it, several of the volunteers have become my friend, and they know me, and they uh, know about my life. And they will consistently say 
that when I am doing the class, that I like morph into this other person. And over the years, what I've come to understand is that when I'm, quote unquote, being a therapist or teaching a class in a psychoeducational way, that I am completely present in that moment with that person that's doing that work. And that I really sort of um, do let go of my really fabulous ability to make all of this traumatic negative stuff seem so interesting and engaging. I let, you know, sort of me go, and I am just really present in that moment with that person doing that work. And there is always what we would define as magic in that. And and I'm often, um, uh, you know, sort of intrigued by the concept that that's not really magic. That's really the divine design of how life is meant to go. But it seems magical because it's so opposite of what I'm usually doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's really fascinating when I can really fully bring myself into being than that amazing magic happens. And I think for me the challenge, you know, I can be when I'm being with you in your moment and being present to be a part of that healing process. And I wonder if I could ever, you know, kind of morph that into being with myself. (laughs) There is always that challenge of uh, loving ourselves the way that we want to be loved and loving ourselves the way that we love others because most of us right. give a lot more love, compassion, caring, patience, interest to other people. Right. And way too many of us are even better at that with strangers than the people we know and love. True that. It's like to a stranger, I can be so compassionate and give them so much support. And actually, I, I can't even say that with the pronoun I because that is just so not in my DNA. <laughs> to be kind to a stranger? Is that what you're saying? To be more kind ah. to a stranger than I am to people I know oh, love good for you. than Thank I you am to me. But I know that it's because of the family I was raised in because my mother was about the about the external. It was important to it seemed to be important to her that people see her as kind and loving and all of that and and for that part of her to really be expressed to other people, to people at the church, to the, you know, kind person, to the stranger, to the person who's distantly related. Um, and to have that be the persona. And then that behind closed doors, that didn't translate. But she absolutely didn't behave that way with the closest people like, you know, her children, (laughs) you know, the further you got out of that, you could see it. Um, And and she absolutely didn't behave that way with herself. I mean, you know, now that I'm older, I can look back and say, you know, she really didn't give herself self-love, self-care. She really didn't. Uh, behave in a way right. that provided her, her that she could provide herself with love and affirmation and um, encouragement and inspiration. And so, again, so the closer it was to her, the less of that that showed, that, that kindness, that compassion, that, that love ex- being expressed in human ways. And the further out the more obvious and the it was. So so because of that, it's not in my DNA because I, as a child, noticed it and it appeared to be hypocritical. That was mm-hmm. the word that when by the time I was in my teens, 
you know, I could see it, but I couldn't really language it. Mm-hmm. I could just observe it. And um, and that led me to make the decision that that would not be me. You wouldn't be? That I wouldn't be behave kind in to that yourself. <laughs> no, that I would be consistently kind, compassionate, loving right. along the spectrum. Gotcha. That, uh, yes. Yeah, that it wasn't a better than or worse than. Right. And so that made me, that has made me, that has given me the opportunity to to look at myself. How do I support myself? How do I love and show compassion for myself? And so I haven't completely escaped it because I think now part of that is just culturally, you know, we get rewarded for being mm. nice to people. Right. And we're in such a fast pace that, sure, there are times when I realize, uh, you're really not getting enough sleep or, you know, you really have been not eating well the last three weeks and that's why you're a little sluggish. And But then I make a decision, right? I notice it. And I've never had the conversation of I don't deserve to treat myself. Lucky girl. Well, I just have been so busy I didn't realize I wasn't doing it. And so that coming back, if I come back to the present moment more rapidly, it won't take me three weeks to notice that I haven't had a salad <laughs> you know, in seven years. How how am I getting the last two or three weeks? How how am I getting my green? Oh, my protein shake has has a base that includes whole greens. So I'm getting some, but I'm not eating salads and broccoli or cabbage or you know the things that I normally eat. So. Um, you know, if I'm staying in the present moment, I'm going to catch that sooner. I wonder if I'm staying in the present moment if I would just naturally do what is best for me, for you, for all around. If the present moment, if 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 I can stay in a state of being, there would be a natural knowing of what what is the next right thing to do? I wonder if my doing changes when I'm being. Instead of trying to do, if I focus on being, does my doing shift? There's an idea. If, I, if I'm hooked into that jet stream, so to speak, of being in the present moment, does my doing just kind of become an automatic mystical, magical thing. I'm going to hypothesize, yes. Well, I think it would have to, but it's not, I don't think of it as mystical or magical, unfortunately. You don't think the jet stream is mystical and magical? It just is, just is how it's supposed to be? Well, it is the true natural state of life. But what doesn't seem the mystical, magical part for me is that if I'm in the jet stream, and actually this is one of the places where I think we diverge, um, if I'm in the jet stream I and I have set a clear intention, mm-hmm. then my doing becomes automatic that, yes, intuitively... Spiritually, I'm constantly getting directed to things that support that intention. And and so in that sense, yes, my doing really changes um, without me doing a lot of thought. Without me, right. Without me effort. 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 Work. 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 But I think where we diverge is that <laughs> I think... Uh-huh. Go ahead. That when you're saying in the jet stream, you're meaning it doesn't really matter. I don't have to choose anything. That God is just directing my life, and so it's going. And it is going to be all fine. But I don't know that the doing changes because you haven't given God a direction in which to unfold the miracles. Yes, that is true. I'm not asking for the red bike with the purple handlebars and the blue stripe. I'm just in there, 
And, you know, God might have an idea of a jaguar. Yeah, she's speechless. No, she's not speechless. <laughs> she is standing in compassion and kindness. <laughs> Thank you, Tracy. And thinking... What a interesting what person. What she might want to say... A slimony is. And... Instead of just reacting. Um, because you want to be kind in your reaction. <laughs> so, yeah, I, don't, I, I would agree because we actually we agreed on the fact that, you know, this idea of this, this specificity to the nth degree often hurts us or limits us from what might be our best and highest good or right. an idea that's bigger than the one we have. Um, but I don't. I don't think. I don't believe that in the human experience. If we truly are going to step into the jet stream and use or accept the power of, and the presence of spirit, that you know, spirit's number one thing is I've created you, and I have unlimited access. I have access to the unlimited nature of everything. So all you have to do is choose what you want to experience. And from that, for that, what I mean is more in general, what kind of person do I want to be? Mm-hmm. Like your, your, one of your favorite lines and, you know, and it, it's an overlay for recovery processes, you know, I want to live a life that's happy, joyous, uh, free. Yes. Well... I've set that intention. Yes. And the jet stream means that the universe is always going to be directing me or putting me in situations that allow me to experience happy, joyous, and free. Yes. Good point. I do set that intention, yes. Because otherwise if it's just, you know, I'm just here, do what you want, the universe is like, or if God is like, or spirit is like saying what I want is what you want is that you, whatever you decide, whatever you choose, I I can make that happen. Right. But I don't have a predetermined, the only predetermined expectation I have is that you'll choose and I'll say yes. And so I I agree. It's not always about choosing. You know, it's okay if you have a specific thing in mind and you want to choose that. But the life experience yeah. is not about choosing the specific headset that I want to receive on my birthday, this brand and this name and this time. I mean, I can do that, but that's not my life. That's one thing I want to have to create an experience of Being my happy, life. joyous, and free. Mm-hmm. And so the, in my in my mind where I, I agree with you about the jet stream is that absolutely I'm I'm not distracted by and I'm not attached to anything that's gonna keep me out of the flow of moving toward my best and highest good or my my intention. But I have to set the intention. And become conscious of our thinking, you know, it's really interesting working talk all about the jail today. But, you know, working with people in terms of having kind of, you know, where can you imagine a more closed system where you've got them right there and there's no kind of um, competing life events. You know, you don't have to go out and work in your job. You don't have to care for your children, you know, you know, because you're stuck right there. So it, it is kind of a nice kind of incubator of a opportunity to... Um, look at how my mind creates my experience. And if I can manage or become conscious and not play the regret, if only, game in my mind or not in sitting in jail, you know, one would imagine there would be partly a long list of things I could regret or things I would like to change that would have created a different experience than sitting in jail. And then that play forward of, oh, when I get out of jail, oh, when I get to see my kid, oh, when I get to have another opportunity to do things differently, right? But to really kind of stop and live in that present moment of here and now 
And it's almost like this funny thing that happens. It's almost like they become sort of like they feel bad when they get like really spiritually present and say, oh, this is perfect. Because then, and certainly for me and my family, worrying is an Olympic event. I mean, we really, it, it feels as if we're doing something powerfully loving when we're worrying about you. I'm worried about you. I've been thinking about you, Tracy. I'm worried for you. And it's like that is my gift to you. I'm going to worry for you, with you, about you. And it's uh, it's when I get into the present moment and I understand all things are perfect and nothing, you know, the dice are loaded in my favor and the the, the end game is already rigged for my success. And I don't worry. I feel as if I'm somehow not doing my job or somehow not being a good person because I should be worried. You know, I'm in jail. I should worry about you. I'm in jail. I should feel bad about what happened in the past. But to just be, like, in sync with this present moment and say, you know, it's perfect right here, right now. I can write a letter. I can make an amends. I can make a plan for the future. I can, you know, there's so much in this moment that I can proactively take action to impact the past and the future, right? In this moment, I can take action, push that elevator button, do something. But in my mind, when I give up that that uh, rabbit trail, you know, that hamster thing of worrying or being anxious for the future, I almost feel like I'm not doing my job supposed to be. My mind has to be obsessingly upset. How about you, Trace? Does your mind have to be obsessively upset? I'm guessing you're going to say no. You would be guessing correctly. (laughs) I was thinking about, I was listening to you and then I was thinking about, oh, well, do I do that? No. Don't worry for uh for your death a sign of true love. Worry? <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> and you really cared about me, you'd worry. Well, and there are so many people who actually do have that mindset. So mm-hmm. I, I I can think of people who I've been in relationship with who um as friends or as co workers or are in romantic relationships and and yeah the, who perceive that I don't care about yes because you're not worrying because what a I'm not horrible person you are. and that's what they've been exposed to especially from their the women in their lives mm-hmm. not so much the men mm-hmm. but it 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 is it I have been around people where there's that expectation, and because I'm a woman and I'm not constantly worrying about what could happen or something that they shared with me that they're worried about, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm standing in the truth of cold and detached. that to them, <laughs> that's how it seems, and detached, yeah, yes. it's probably the word, and it's like, well, in that sense, that is the truth. I'm detached from the drama. <laughs> I'm completely attached mm-hmm. and standing in, attached to and standing in what I know to be the truth, that this absolutely has to work out. And there's nothing for me to worry about. If I'm going to pray about it, I'm not, why worry? If I'm going to worry about it, then don't bother <laughs> praying, right? It's like those, those two energies don't, can't coexist. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking, one of our most prized possessions after my grandmother died was we got her worry rocker. She actually had a rocker that she would sit in to worry. <laughs> I love that rocker because <laughs> you know when you're rocking, it's sort of soothing as you're worrying, and you know you can really just get all wrapped up like a nice blanket while you're worrying. I'll be here worrying. You go on I'm rocking. Yes. You know, have you seen <laughs> the, the quote that? I mean, for a while it was going around a lot. It's, it's an old quote, but it is worrying is like. Sitting in a rocking chair, no. you're constantly moving, but you're not going anywhere. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, no, I've not seen that. Yeah, yes. I used it's to a perfect I, metaphor. Was a cartoon, you know, like um, well, it was a cartoon drawn of it. Um, 
And I saw it like in the newspaper back in the days when we had newspapers. <laughs> and um and I cut it out and, and I it's probably in a box somewhere because I had it like, you know, on my bulletin board for a long time to always kind of bring me back if I would catch myself worrying. But yeah, the one that I that stays in my mind more is so if you're gonna worry about it just don't bother to pray. Right. You worry or you pray. You don't. You can't do both. Because if you pray and we then you can, worry, <laughs> then you didn't really. Can. You don't have faith in the prayer. Right. And you didn't really mean the prayer. You're right. not standing in the place of prayer. Right. Um. So and you know, of course, at least from my perspective, being human, sure there are times there are times that I worry, but it's not my, you know. It's not my general way of being. And and I'll notice it, too. And, and you know, for me, what happens is worry around money. Mm. You know, it's like that's, that's the one thing that will shift me into worry, but I don't worry nearly as much as I, you know, as I have at some times in the past. Right. And then there have been times in my life where I never worried about money. There was plenty of it, and it's like, why worry about it? I know it's coming. Um, so that, for me, seems to be the one thing, more than relationships, more than aging, more than, you know, just about anything else people worry about. And I didn't have kids, so I never had to worry about my kids because <clears throat> I imagine that would be, how how could you be a parent and not be worried? <laughs> That would just seem cruel, wouldn't it, if you're not worried about them? I mean, I, I wonder how that would have been for me if I had been a parent. Would this would this way of being where I so infrequently worry, would that, would that how would that have played out with kids? I don't know. Get a dog and see if you worry about the dog. Oh, no, I've had dogs. Them. I've had cats. You didn't worry about mm-hmm. them? Yeah. <laughs> You know, uh, you said something interesting about the money. You said when I had lots of it, I didn't worry because I had lots of it. So that that would imply this concept of that when 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 it's present, whatever I'm worrying about, then I don't worry because it's there. But then when there's this perceived lack, then that's when the anxiety comes in. So how do I stay constant? in my, I guess, staying in the present moment, you know, and not... Well, isn't that what we teach with affirmative prayer? You're Ah. stating what you know to be truly the truth, even though it's not evidenced to you in physical form in this moment. Right. But we claim that, demand it, attach to it in affirmative prayer so that we can operate... As in our lives, as if that is the truth. Mm-hmm. There's more than enough. I have more than enough money to spare and to share. I have, you know, it's like if I'm really living in that, if I can remember how it felt when I actually did have enough money to cover all my bills and have some to share and you know, gladly and easily send money to this relative or that relative or this friend. It would be easy, with ease and grace. Mm-hmm. That's all my affirmative prayer is doing. It's saying, this is the truth. This is the truth of life. Right. And if I can attach the feeling to it, especially a feeling like that, that I actually have experienced, then guess what? That's really what's going to show up in my life. If I'm worried about money and not having enough and not having enough to cover my bills, not having enough to do what I'd like to do, go on the trip I want to go on, then that's what's going to evidence in my life more of that because that's the energy I'm in. And basically that's what I'm saying to God is what I believe to be my experience and the universe simply says, yes, yes. So in this present moment, 
and I and I'm so glad to be able to like talk about this with a little separation because I'm not in a period right now where I am worried about money, even though there's not a there doesn't appear to be a surplus of it, but I'm not worried about it. Right. So it's good for me to be, actually be able to talk and talk about it as as if I'm observing. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like this crazy woman. <laughs> And sometimes I I'm got just, never heard you say that. And sometimes I'm this, you know, deeply spiritual oh, uh-huh, woman uh-huh. around the exact same yes. circumstances. Right. And that is you know, I don't know, I think some people would say well this living in magical the, well some people would say living in the present moment means you realize that you don't have enough money and you don't know where it's gonna come from and you should be worrying about it. And then Someone else would say, "No, you, in the present moment, put yourself in the energetic of what you want, because then that's what you will actually experience." I wonder. I ponder about this whole, you know, affirmations and living in the present. You know, thinking my thoughts, creating my. Because if I am fully present in the here and now. And there's, there, I guess that does go back to that whole concept of um, that there is, a, there is definitely a part of me that believes if I am in that jet stream, all I have to do is lay down, and it'll all just fall into place. And then it's the letting go, and it's the accepting, and it's the absolute just, just laying back in that. Jet Street, and it's fascinating. Um, the women at the uh, at the jail put on a play. This woman wrote. This woman in the jail wrote this amazing metaphor for addiction. And it was called Sally for All Seasons, and she went through the seasons of starting off in spring, and she was happy, and life was pretty easy, and then she kind of got restless and bored, and then she started kind of looking for something and she went into Halloween time, fall time, and started getting kind of taken up in this drug world. And then she uh, got very overwhelmed by that and then she went into the winter and then, you know, the cold and the addiction process. And then uh, I guess she started out in summer and then she, you know, came out in spring and, you know, got into recovery. And in the lines about being in the spring and getting out of the addiction, she talked about letting go and and just, you know, letting the the process of love and and recovery and life and acceptance, you know, letting go in that. And she used an amazing metaphor. She was born in Hawaii. Hawaii, and um, she said she was a surfer. And that the only way, if you get into if you ride the big waves and something really dramatic happens, the only way you have of possibly surviving is to just totally go limp and that you will rise up above. But if you are struggling or trying to fight to get up to the surface, you are dead, dead, dead. And I thought that's an interesting kind of, you know, I think it's got to be somewhere like a both hand, of course. You know, I have to shower. But, I mean, at some point... That completely going limp and accepting and letting go, there is a tremendous amount of freedom and awe and beauty and amazement. And whether I have 10000 or $10 or whether I'm in love or out of love or have a house or don't have a house or 50 pounds overweight or 200 pounds overweight, you know, all of these external things that I can hook on to and give over my sense of well-being to when I can just let that all go and go limp in the jet stream or go limp on the way. There's something really mystical and magical about that. And I guess what I hypothesize, should I ever be able to do that, that the in that letting go and accepting what is Suddenly then, the natural design of the divine of, you know, wanting my highest good, wanting everything possible and then some, it will all just start shooting in towards me as I let go and accept and stop struggling to get it.
Well, it, I, and we've done a couple shows on surrender. Yeah. And I don't think we've ever named a show Struggle, but that is really interesting. <laughs> the opposite. Um, and so when you just, when you say, you know, and go limb, to me it's like, yeah, I'm surrendering to the fact that I am a child of God and there is nothing that I can't have. That the the bounds the boundless universe is available to me, and I am in that moment. I'm not. I'm giving up my attachment to whatever it is I've been trying to cling to, but I'm not doing nothing. I am going limp, or I'm releasing into a new choice that says I want to have a happy and whole life. So it's got to be at both ends, of course. So, so I, you know, the visual of going limp tell wants my brain to think I don't do anything, and then I become, I become whatever God Everything. wants me to be. <laughs> and yeah, and for me, there's that's where the 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 barrier comes because even though I believe in in God as thou, God as this as this awesome, undefinable, all knowing presence. Um, yeah, I also believe that God only does in us and through us as we do. As we choose or as we direct or as we um well, as we choose or direct, but often we're choosing or directing based on our feelings. Which can be a good thing, or or not really bad thing. <laughs> oh, it's always a good thing, ultimately, right? It's always every choice we make is leading us to something, to a new choice, to the next choice, to the next direction, to the next intention. Um, and maybe intention is a better word than choice, because I think if we set intentions when we say to people, you have to choose, it does kind of feel like we're saying, choose the black headset with the blue speaker or the, you know, as you said, the you know, the red bike with the purple handlebars and the, you know, spokes that shine at night or something. Um, and I don't really, I don't limit choose to that. So intention might be a better word. And so I think when we do that total release into the jet stream, that visual, what we're doing actually is we're setting the intention to have a God-directed, God-filled life that has meaning ah, for me. So that's the choice. And, and then, then I'm I, making yes. that choice. <clears throat> so that's where my that's where my action comes is to make that choice. I'm thinking of the four kingdoms, right? Right, the four kingdoms, right? First one, I don't have a bike, and I'm so mad because it's your fault that I don't have the bike. And the second and one, God I, doesn't love me, or God would yeah, give me a bike. I should have a bike. For the love of God, everybody else has a bike. Why don't I have a bike? And then that second kingdom would be what that I can uh, I can uh, tell you that I want that bike. I can tell God I'm going to put my order in. I can create that bike with the spoke and the light, light, right? I can understand that that is within my human ability to co-create, right? The human experience allows me to be open to the divine and co-create. And then what would be the third one? The third one would be that uh, the bike is already there. The third one, if we take that example into Kingdom 3, I'm probably living in a space where Either I already have the bike or I don't have the bike, but what I'm doing is saying I want the bike or something better that provides transportation, so I'm not focused on the bike. I'm focused on what I need the bike for. Oh, that's good. I'm focused on what's the mental equivalent. And so, so then I can get the Jaguar in, in Kingdom 3. Well, and then, no, because the Jaguar in Kingdom 3 would still be in Kingdom 2 because I'm putting the value on it. In ah. Kingdom 3, it's, um, 
also in Kingdom 3, it's, wow, I'm being of service um, to my neighbors, and I have these two on either side of my house. There are these people who, elderly people who are in their 90s, and I am in service to them. They're not paying me, but God, you know, God directs me, or I am in service I mow their lawn or do their landscaping. And without me knowing it, they give me a bike or they give me a car. Oh, right. Because where my, I am focused on being being God in physical form, being the gift of God's love. Letting God flow through me. Right. And so... I am being good in the world, and guess what? It does connect in to something I didn't specifically picture, but it responds to my desire. God is showing up. You know, I am, it's the song, Use Me, right? Use Me, oh God. God's working through, and then then there's provision for all of my needs as I'm focused on letting God channel through. So then the bike just kind of comes to me. Right, or a way to get, maybe it's not neighbors on each side of me. Maybe I know that, maybe I decide I want to be a service to my aunt who's in her 90s. And, oh, well, yeah, God threw me. You know, how did I, that airline ticket show up? I didn't, I didn't have $400 to go check on my 95-year-old aunt. But guess what, you know? I made a commitment I wanted to be a support to her, and that money, that transportation happens and occurs some you know in a way that I didn't expect so yeah i don't i don't I don't know that I can actually take the red bike through the four kingdoms. I think in the fourth one you're the bike. you already oh. have the bike Ooh, that, that doesn't <laughs> inspire me in any way. Just the concept of the bike. I thought you were going to say in the fourth kingdom, you wouldn't need the bike. You would be floating on air and walking through walls. Oh, maybe you, so. Or you would just blink your eyes and be mm. wherever you wanted to be. <laughs> That's what I no, thought no, no, you were going to say. But the metaphor of the bike being the thing that I want, then I would understand in the kingdom four that, that the thing is inside of me. That it well, already exists. Well, and I think that's why it's hard to use the example because the thing that I want is not the bike. Yes. The thing that I want is either I want transportation <clears throat> or the thing that I want is I want other people to think I'm cool because I look bike. good. Or the thing that I really want is I want the latest gadget and toy because it makes me feel smart or it makes me feel beautiful or it makes me... What I really want is the quality. That's why when we do work on affirmations oh, and prayer and everything, yes, we spend so much time on mental equivalent because the mental equivalent is never the physical the thing, form. The thing, right. The mental equivalent is the quality, characteristic, feeling, emotion that, I, that I'm going to have as a result of having that thing or that experience. So even when somebody's doing relationship stuff, right, and they're and and we say, "What's your mental equivalent?" and then they get busy thinking, "Well, two hundred thirty-three things they are looking for in that." For well, that or they think about, "I want to be married," you know, and they think, "Well, you know, most of the people I know who've been married are also divorced, so let me go find this couple that has been married for." 48 years, you know, because I want to talk to them and find out what what what, what kept them together and I want to, you know, all, et cetera, et cetera. And then they'll, you know, take a picture of that couple and put their picture where they can see it. Well, it's not really the couple. Right. That image of the couple is really tapping them into their mental equivalent of loyalty and trust and communication and, and being behaving in a way that results in a relationship that lasts for 48 years. But it's not the couple. Right. You know. So it's a little, mental equivalent is different from, you know, okay, I, I want 
I keep seeing it. Now, this is true. I keep seeing in my mind's eye, my next car is going to be a black Benz, black interior, dark um, windows, and I can see it, but that's not really my, and I can put that on a vision board and I can see it. But when I really ask what's the mental equivalent, you know, I want a car that is classic and sleek and looks great and I feel good when I'm, when I'm standing by it and I feel good when I'm in it and it drives well and, um, what's you know. What's that about, though? Really? Would you narrow that down? Well, no, it's like I'm just really clear the mental equivalent is that. You could that's use that the Kia? Well, and I... I might be able to. That's why I'm clear the mental equivalent is the qualities and how I feel. Right. And so it could be that if I'm really clear on the mental equivalent, it could be when I go car shopping Mm -hmm. that I see a Kia XYZ, you know, whatever, and go, oh, that looks, that's a classic look. I didn't know that car. Uh I had never noticed the car, but look. It's black and it looks sleek and has a classic design. And then I drive it and it feels good. That's the mental equivalent. It's not. It's just in my human brain what I have seen up to this point. The little icon with the circle and the peace sign is much more exciting. Isn't that a peace sign the Benz has? No, it's a Benz sign. But <laughs> it doesn't look like a peace sign. It's a little mm-hmm. circle with it. It's got a peace sign inside of it, doesn't it? Um, is it a triangle? No. What is it? It's a bend. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what's funny about it's that? It's an icon. Well, what's funny about that is, see, when I say bends, I never even see that in my mind. Oh, I never see that oh. symbol. I see the car, Ooh. but I don't see that symbol. And and I, maybe that's because, you know, I had a Benz for 14 years, right? But it didn't have that symbol. It uh, had the um, the coat of arms symbol kind of part of it. They, it didn't have to stick up mm-hmm. in them, which, yeah, means nothing to me. And that's why I know it's not, I, I'm not really attached to that car. It's that car, that image of that car connects into these other things, and most of the time we don't know the difference. What can translate through the four kingdoms, the qualities, the emotions, the experience, but not the physical, tangible piece of it that will never translate into kingdoms three and four. Ah, interesting, because they're more the elusive present moment of being. Thank you, Leslie, for bringing that all back to the present moment, because that is God, that's the being. And the present moment is our theme. Uh-huh. So anything else? How to get back, to how to return to the <laughs> present moment. Anything else? We've got about 30 seconds. <laughs> then I will just be in the present now. moment and understand that it is about being. It's not about doing. And I have to give up worrying as an art form to be in the present moment. Period. Amen. <laughs> Sign of the cross. So um, that's all the time we have today for this present moment. This present moment is leaving so that we can have <laughs> another different, new, perfect present moment. If you would like to um, think about other topics from a spiritual perspective, check out where we have over 200 different titles and topics. Until we meet again, say Say yes to his spirit.
Alexa, play Whitney Houston. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get access to over 50 million songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.